the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Rob Black and your money. And your money. Now. 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 Here's, here's Rob Black. R.E.M. Once said it's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. One more time, it's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. I'm going to parlay that into real estate. We may be at the end or the death of the easy appreciation in real estate. The infomercial mentality of everyone can make a million in real estate is very likely 99.9% dead. I feel fine with it. I hope you do as well. Real estate is a great liability that works as an investment over time. And right now, the mortgage market is getting pounded in large part because the housing fundamentals got way ahead of themselves. There's no asset that can grow at 100% every five years without getting caught up in some growing pains. The fastest growing asset class historically for the last 100 years has been the stock market, averaging 10% returns. Bonds have averaged 6% returns, and real estate has averaged 5% returns. Now, the reason stocks beat real estate is because stocks are tied towards capitalism and earnings growth, whereas a home is tied towards wage inflation and population growth. How much worse can it get for the housing market right now? Well, with mortgage lenders folding, home builders bleeding red ink, foreclosures are filling the public notice section, the answer might seem as ominous as the price-reduced placards that increasingly top the for-sale signs that litter our lawns. After all, the really recent credit crunch that's really ugly Capital is once again living up to its well-deserved reputation of being cowardice. It's bold when there seems to be little chance of getting beaten up, such as the aggressive lending to even the least qualified borrowers at a time when the value of their collateral kept going up and up and up. But lenders seem to turn and run as soon as things get rough, holding back capital not only from riskier borrowers, but even those with sterling credit. It's hard not to envision the resulting house of pain. Mortgage credit is the mother's milk of the housing market. It dried up. Unable to secure proper financing, home buyers all but disappeared from the market. Sellers are dropping their price even further, but still don't get offers. Unable to refinance, increasing numbers are falling behind on their mortgage payments in the United States. And that's going to be a 2008 story that it's going to get worse because they can't refinance. So, People are losing their homes. Swelling of the inventories of unsold homes are driving prices down 
even more. That in turn sucks equity from even the most prudent homeowners, further denting not only their confidence, but also that every investor out there who's ever considered buying a house, which is basically a mortgage-backed bond, or even a money market account, everyone thought all these things were safe, and now they're not. There's panic going on. Like depositors' recent run on you know, Countrywide Financial. That could freeze lending, not only to the housing market, but to the entire business community, community, and that could prompt a pretty nasty recession. But even if this crisis is contained, we're facing some near certainties that should be understood. First, house prices may move on euphoria in the short term, but long term they depend on family income, the ability to pay mortgages, and to pay rent. At levels well above normal four times family income, the market gradually loses first-time buyers until prices break and fall back towards affordable levels. Now, house prices are in a genuine bubble territory in the United States, in Britain, in other markets. In Britain and in some critically large cities in the United States, for example, the multiple of family income has risen to over six times from below four times. And in London last year, the percentage of first-time buyers was the lowest since records began. It's an important number, first-time buyers. Now, from the highest levels, prices are guaranteed to fall. And in so doing so, they're going to reduce consumer borrowing and spending power. They will also increase mortgage defaults, most of which lie ahead, not behind. Lower financial profits and a lack of confidence in the U.S. economy. Now, just to show you that it's, it's such a problem... It was tied towards the speculators that really created one level of the problem. The people who had never owned a home before, who had built no equity over time, that saw how fast equity was going up and wanted a piece of it. Um, That's not what you want. There is no free lunch. There is no instant gratification. There's a radio show that I hear from time to time where the doofus, and I do mean doofus lovingly, the doofus promises how easy it is. And if you go to a seminar, he'll actually pull out a guitar and sing um, Kimbaya and If I Had a Million Dollars. It's the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. And yeah, you can make euphoric money in the short term. You could do it in numerous ways. You know, a lot of people with dot-com companies, there were farmers in Iowa who didn't even know what a dot-com company was. And they were going out making, you know, money on the, buying those internet stocks. There's euphoria everywhere. And in real estate, it's over. Now listen to this. According to the Army of Engineers, 54% of the U.S. population live within 50 miles of the coastline. And the population of California, Texas, and Florida expected to grow by 36%. Now that should make you feel pretty comfortable. There is some data out there that says buy real estate within 50 miles of a shoreline and that populations are continuing to grow. Now, I recently read that 25% of licensed agents in California obtained their license in the last two years. That's scary. That's amazing because if you've been in the industry a long period of time, you know that things have cycles and they're not always rosy. A lot of the bad advice out there has been from people, A, who are new to the industry and have only seen good times, and B, from people who are peddling crap, whether it be their mortgages or their house Um, or the selling services, they're selling you a load of crap. Now, let's talk a little bit about housing crash continues. Oh, by the way, wait, wait, I got one more statistic for you. 
Um, 5% of sales agents or brokers own investment property. So that's it. Yet they give you advice to do it. They don't do it themselves. Um, okay, so let's go further. And let's talk about the housing crash and it's why it's continuing. It's ultimately because prices are disconnected from fundamentals. House prices are still far beyond any historical known relationship to either rents or salaries. And again, you live in a home that you can afford. So rents and salaries are a big part of this. Yearly rents are 3% of the purchase price. That's typically the, the mathematic. Mortgage rates are about 6.5%. So it costs more than twice as much to rent money than to rent a house. Renting money is the idea of getting a mortgage. Now, total owner costs, including taxes, maintenance, insurance, they're at about 9%. Salaries can cannot, they just can't cover mortgages except for in the very short term. And that's by using adjustable interest-only loans. And anyone who buys now will suffer losses immediately and can't pay the interest, in my opinion, for the next several years. They're going to suffer immediately in pricing. Now, buyers borrowed way too much money. This was a big problem. And they can't pay the interest. Now there's mass foreclosures going on in the United States. Senators are talking about taking your money to pay for your neighbor's McMansion. Senators are doing a bailout, which basically says they're taking our tax money so that we can fund someone's big house that they bought. Banks happily loaned money to any borrowers who wanted it as long as the banks you know, could then sell the loan. That pushed the risk onto companies like Fannie Mae, which is ultimately the taxpayers, or it was put on to buyers of mortgage-backed securities. Now, that's become clear that a trillion dollars in mortgage loans not going to get repaid. Fannie Mae is under pressure not to buy risky loans, and investors do not want mortgage-backed securities. This means that the money available for mortgages is falling, and house prices will keep falling probably for five years. Now, a return to traditional lending standards means a return to traditional prices, which are far below current prices. Interest rate increases are a problem for the housing market. When rates go from 5% to 7%, that's a 40% increase in the amount in interest a buyer has to pay back. House prices must drop proportionally to compensate. The housing bus still has a very long way to go. For example, if interest rates are at 5%, then $1,000 per month, $12,000 per year, pays for an interest-only loan of $240,000. If interest rates rise to 7%, And that same $1,000 per month pays for an interest-only loan of only $171,000. People afford payments. They don't really care about interest rates, but interest rates will affect what the home is worth. So right there in that example, a $240,000 loan is what you were servicing before. Now, with a higher interest rate, you're only at $171,000 is what you could afford. Now, even if the Fed does not raise rates anymore... All of these adjustable mortgages will go up anyway because they will adjust upward from their low initial rate to the current rate. People used way too much leverage in this real estate boom. Now bust. Leverage basically means using debt to amplify gain. Most people forget that losses get amplified as well. So if a buyer puts 10% down and the house goes down 10%, 
he's lost 100% of his money on paper. If he has to sell due to the job loss or an interest rate hike, he's bankrupt in the real world. It's worse than that, though, because house prices do not even have to fall to cause big losses. The cost of selling a house is 6%. On a $600,000 home, that's $36,000. So if prices just stay flat, a 4% decline you know, in housing prices bankrupts all those with 10% equity or less. So if you have less than 10% equity and the price goes down 4%, you're bankrupt. And 4% is not crazy, is it? A shortage of first-time buyers, the percentage of San Francisco Bay Area households who could afford a median price house in the region plunged from 20% in July 2003 to 10% in 2006 in just three years. There was a surplus of speculators. Nationally, 25% of houses bought in 2005 were pure speculation, not houses to live in. They were pure speculators. Now they're all going into foreclosure in large numbers. Even the National Association of House Builders admits that investor-driven price appreciation looms over some housing markets. So the home builder said, quote, investor-driven price appreciation looms over some housing markets. Another area where we got into real estate problems was fraud. It's become pretty common for speculators to take out a loan for up to 50% or more than the price of the house they intend to buy. The appraiser goes along with the inflated price or does not even get called back to do another appraisal. The speculator then pays the seller's asking price much less than the loan amount and uses the extra money to make mortgage payments on the unreasonably large mortgage until he could find a buyer to take the house off his hands for more than he paid. Worked great during the boom. Now it doesn't work at all unless the speculator simply skips town with the extra money. It's crazy stuff. Baby boomers are retiring. This is a huge, looming problem for real estate. There are 77 million Americans born between 1946 and 1964. One-third have zero retirement savings. The oldest are 61 years old right now. The only money they have is in the house. They're going to have to sell, and they're not going to be able to buy a new house because they have no retirement savings. There's going to be a huge glut of empty housing. Builders are being forced to drop prices even faster than owners right now. Builders have huge excess inventory. They, they can't sell right now. And more houses are completed each day, making the housing slump worse. Now, Business Week just had a quote the other day. Today's housing prices are predicated on an impossible combination. The strong growth in income and asset values of a strong economy plus the ultra-low interest rates of a weak economy. Either the economy's long-term prospects will get worse or rates will rise. In either scenario, housing will weaken. I cannot impress upon you enough that that is a wonderful quote with amazing insight. I'll do it one more time for you. Today's housing prices are predicated on an impossible combination, the strong growth in income and asset values of a strong economy plus the ultra-low interest rates of a weak economy. Now, either the economy's long-term prospects will get worse or rates are going to rise. In either scenario, housing will weaken. Interest rates are interesting because they're tied towards the economy. If interest rates are at 1%, in theory, you're in a recession. Japan's kept interest rates incredibly low for 20 years. Their housing market's done nothing because their economy is weak, they kept their interest rates low, but their housing's done nothing. 
because their economy is weak. If the interest rates go higher, you could afford a lot less house. We had this big boom where our economy was doing good, but our interest rates were low due to Greenspan basically trying to fight a couple different things that all happened at once. Those interest rates at 1% have never happened before in the United States and probably won't ever happen again. Now, with that said, that fueled speculation in real estate. Now, who disagrees with me that house prices will continue to fall? It's pretty obvious, right? Real estate-related businesses disagree because they don't make money if buyers don't buy. Now, these businesses have a large financial interest in misleading the public about the foolishness of buying a house. Now, buyer's agents get nothing if there's no sale. So they want their clients to buy now, no matter how bad the deal is. Now, the exact opposite of the buyer's best interest. Agents take $100 billion each year in commissions from buyers. Agents claim the seller pays the commission, but always fails to mention that the seller gets that money from the buyer. Think about it. Who brings the money to the table, the seller or the buyer? All the money comes from the buyers. No buyer, no money. That's why you're getting these idiots on the radio telling you to buy real estate. If a stockbroker were to charge 6% on the sale of a stock, he'd go out of business that same day. Real estate brokers don't do much more than stockbrokers do. So why should you give up nearly two years of your working life's earnings to pay a realtor for a few hours they put into helping you buy or sell a house? 6% of the 30 years it takes to pay off a house is 1.8 years of donating your working time to the real estate agent. Now, there are good buyer's agents who really believe they're helping the buyer, but they're in a denial over a conflict of interest right now. Author Upton Sinclair, he had a great explanation for this. His quote was, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. It's not in anyone's best interest to buy real estate right now. It's unaffordable. I'm talking big picture. I'm talking Bay Area. Now, mortgage brokers take a percentage of the loan. So they want buyers to take out the biggest loan possible. They're also telling you, you know, great time. Mortgage brokers get paid according to how bad the deal is for the buyer. The worse the deal, the higher the interest rate, the higher the fees, the higher the points, the more that mortgage broker gets. Other people who are telling you lies about real estate right now are banks. They get origination fees and then they sell most mortgages. So they don't care about the bankruptcy of the borrowers. They're going to lend way beyond what the buyers can afford because they lose nothing if the buyer defaults. Banks sell most of their loans to government agencies like Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. The conversion of low-quality housing debt into high-quality Fannie Mae debt with that implicit backing of the federal government is the main support for the housing bubble. And that is ending as Fannie Mae continues to shrink. The other way for banks to dump the risk of loan default has been on the Wall Street market for what are called mortgage-backed securities. Now that mass foreclosures have eliminated the subprime portion of the loan resale market, banks are under pressure to increase loan quality for the first time in a long time. Now, appraisers are hired by mortgage brokers. They have a conflict of interest, too. So they're going to give the appraisals that mortgage brokers and banks want to see, not necessarily the truth. Appraisers that kill, kill a deal by telling the truth, they don't get called back to do other appraisals. So appraisals sometimes, appraisers have to play the game. Now, newspapers earn money for advertising placed by realtors, lenders, and mortgage brokers. 
So newspapers are pressured by the money, that money to publish the real estate industry's unrealistic forecasts and to avoid the fatal words of prices are falling. Instead, sometimes you'll hear about a softening or an easing of prices, which sounds so pleasant. At worst, you may hear about a housing slump, but you'll never hear the mainstream press talk about a crash in prices. Now worse, realtors have a near monopoly on sale price information, and newspaper reporters never ask realtors hard questions like, how do we know you're not lying about these prices? The result is ultimately an endless stream of stories reporting that National Association of Realtors say it's too good of a time to buy. Asking the NAR about housing is like walking into a used car dealership and asking the salesman if he, today would be a good day to buy a car. National Association of Realtors are always going to tell you it is. Now, owners themselves, they don't want to believe that they're going to lose a large amount of money. So those are the main people who are lying to you about real estate. Again, I'll go over them. Newspapers, because they get advertised by the realtors, lenders, and mortgage brokers. Owners, like if I'm in real estate, I don't want to go out and go, yeah, I just, geez, I just lost $60,000. Appraisers, they want to continue to be in business, so they're not going to you know, tell mortgage brokers and banks to go screw themselves. That price is way too high. Banks, they basically do the origination fees, and they instantly sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, um, so they have no risk of, of crappy loans. Mortgage brokers, the, the worse the deal, the better the deal for them. The worse the deal for you, the better the deal for them. And the more you spend, the more they get. And buyer's agents, you know, you're, bringing, you're paying 6% to them. Again, $100 billion a year in commissions to buyer's agents, and it takes you 1.8 years to pay that off out of your 30-year mortgage. It goes to the agent. That's nutty. What's wrong with us? Why does no one understand real estate, or why is everyone so unrealistic about it? Renting. Oh, now here's the arguments. You're going to hear these time and time again from people who want you to buy real estate. They'll say renting is just throwing away money. That's not true. Renting is now much cheaper per month than owning. If you don't rent, you either a have a mortgage, in which case you're throwing away money on interest, tax, insurance, and maintenance, or b you might own outright, in which case you are throwing away that extra income you could get by converting your house to cash invested it in bonds, and renting at a similar place to live for much less money. This extra income could be 50 to 200% beyond rent costs forever. And for many, it's enough to retire on right now. Now, either way, owners lose much more money every month than renters do. Currently, yearly rents in San Francisco, they're about 2% of the cost of buying an equivalent home. This means a house is returning about 2%, and it's a bad investment. Pretty much any investment is better. So if you don't like the risk, put your money in a treasury at 5%. If you don't mind some risk, put it in an index fund where you're going to get 10%. Landlords right now are loaning a house to their tenants ultimately for 2% interest rates. This is a fantastic deal for renters. It's a great time to be a renter. When it's possible to borrow a million dollar house for 2% yearly, At the same time, a loan of a million dollars in cash costs 6% interest plus 1% property tax plus 1% maintenance. Something clearly broken. Renters are enjoying an extreme discount. So the argument of renting is throwing money away is crap. Here's another crap argument that there are great tax advantages to owning. This is false. Everyone automatically gets a $9,500 deduction just for breathing. 
You have to have interest expenses greater than 9500 to get any advantage from mortgage interest deduction. And even then, the tax advantage is not significant compared to the large monthly loss from owning. Many people believe you can just reduce your income tax by the amount you pay in interest, but they're wrong. Buyers may not deduct interest from income tax. They deduct interest from taxable income. Interest is paid in real pre-tax dollars that buyers suffer to earn. You know, it, it, it costs you money to earn money or it costs you um, frustration maybe. That money is really entirely gone. Even if the buyer didn't pay income tax on those dollars before spending them on the mortgage interest, you don't get rich spending a dollar to save 30 cents. Buyers don't get interest back at tax time. If a buyer gets an income tax refund, that's generally because you overpaid your taxes, giving the government an interest-free loan. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, government, says. Um, So if you don't own a house but want to live in one, your best choice is to rent a home right now or rent money to buy a house is the idea. To rent money is to take out a loan. A mortgage is a money rental agreement. House renters take House renters take no risk at all, but money renters, taking out a mortgage, you take a huge risk of falling house prices, as well as the cost of repairs, insurance, property taxes. You can rent a house for 2% of its price, but you have to pay 6% to borrow the equivalent amount of that money. It's much cheaper to rent the house than to rent the money. A lot of people think a rental house provides good income. Rental houses provide very poor income in bubble areas, and certainly they can't cover their mortgage payments. Remember that it's pointless to do the work of being a landlord if you can make more money with no risk, no work, and no state income tax by buying a U.S. Treasury bond. And money in Treasury bonds would be liquid and secure. That said, there are many parts of the United States where it does make sense to buy because mortgage payments are less than the rents in those areas. They're generally rural areas away from the coast, and they have not seen the same bubble that the coasts have. Another big falsehood out there is that owning is a loss in monthly cash flow, but appreciation will make up for it. Appreciation is negative. Prices are going down, which just adds insult to monthly injury of crushing mortgage payments right now. Another big false lie out there right now is as soon as prices drop a little, the number of buyers on the sidelines willing to jump back increases. There's actually very few buyers out there right now, and those who do want to buy, they're going to be limited by the increasingly difficult ability of borrowing money. No one has money to borrow right now. No one has money to buy. But there will be more and more people who have no choice but to sell their homes as payments go higher. That's going to keep driving prices down for a long period of time. A lot of people say house prices never fall. That's false. San Francisco house prices dropped 11% from 1990 to 1994. Buyers in San Francisco in 1990 did not break even in dollar amounts until about 1998. So those buyers effectively loaned their money to the sellers for eight years at no interest, losing all the while to inflation. With inflation, 1990 buyers truly broke even only by the year 2000, which was 10 years after buying. Um, Los Angeles, another great market, right? Prices dropped 21% from 91 to 95. And of course, there was a lot of similar crashes all around the United States. The worst may have been after the oil bust of the 1980s when Colorado condos lost 90% of their value from their peak. So Colorado condos lost 90% of their values from their peak in the 1980s. 
Now, your city may be special, but it's just as special when it was half as expensive 10 years ago. So be special. Love it. But, you know, that, don't, that ain't going to account for the run-up in prices. A lot of people are confused about the difference between high prices and increasing prices. Prices are high, but they're not increasing. They are falling. Falling prices make for a bad investment. Another falsehood is that home prices don't fall to zero like stock prices do, so it's safer to invest in real estate. Again, that's crap. It's true that house prices don't fall to zero, but your equity in a house can easily fall to zero and then way past zero into the red. Even a fall of only 4% will completely wipe out someone who has 10% equity in their house because realtors are going to take 6%. Now, this means that the house price crashes are actually worse than stock crashes. Most people have most of their money in their house, and that money is being highly leveraged. Now, another crap lie is that we know it will be a soft landing. The papers say so. (laughs) That's crap. Prices could fall off a cliff. No one knows exactly what's going to happen. But the risk of a sudden crash in prices is severe. Yale professor Robert Schiller, he's pointed out, this housing bubble is the biggest bubble in history ever. Predictions of a soft landing are just more manipulation of buyer emotions to get them to buy even while prices are falling. Most newspaper articles on housing, they're not news at all. They're advertisements that are disguised to look like news. They quote heavily from people like realtors, whose income depends on separating you from your money. Their purpose is not to inform you, but rather to get you to buy. When you see a statistic that says everything is fine, look at the source. It's from someone who needs you to believe the housing market so that they can take your money. Another big fat lie is that bubble prices were driven by supply and demand. Crap. Prices were driven by low interest rates and risky loans. Supply is up. The average family income fell 2.3% from 2001 to 2004. So prices are violating the most basic assumptions about supply and demand. If you go to census.gov, census.gov, they got Santa Clara County for the years 2000, 2003. It shows that the number of housing units went up at the same time that the population decreased. So it's not a supply and demand issue. Housing supply in Santa Clara actually increased 3% per person during those years. There's an oversupply compared to a few years ago when prices were lower. On a national level, that is the exact same case. On a national level, 2.4% more housing per person than in the year 2000. So national prices should have fallen as well. Now, the truth is that prices can rise or fall without any change in supply and demand. The bubble was a mania of cheap and easy credit. That mania is over. Another big crap lie is that they're not making any more land. That's actually true. But sales volumes have fallen 40% in the last year alone. It seems they aren't making any more buyers. Japan has a much more severe land shortage than the United States, but that hasn't stopped prices from falling for 14 straight years. Prices in Japan, they're now at the same level they were 23 years ago. If we really had a housing shortage, there would not be so many vacant rentals. Another lie. As a renter, you have the opportunity to build equity. That's crap. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me correct that. Uh, As a renter, you have no opportunity to build equity. Equity is just money. 
Renters are actually in a better position to build equity through investing in anything but housing. Renters can get rich much faster than owners just by investing in reasonably conservative stocks or index funds. The stock market is much better than the housing market in the long run. Owners are losing every month by paying more for interest than they would pay for rent. The tax deduction does not come close to making owning competitive with renting. Owners are losing principal in a leveraged way as prices decline. A 14% decline completely wipes out all equity of an owner who actually owns 20% of their house. So remember, agents take 6%. Owners also pay taxes simply to own a house. That's not true of stocks, nor is it true of bonds, or is it true of any asset that can build equity. Only houses are such a guaranteed drain on cash. Owners got to insure a house, but not most other investments. You don't buy insurance on your stocks, do you? Owners must pay to repair a house. You don't ever repair a stock or a bond if you you own GE and they need a new roof. You don't have to put that on. So I'm going over the lies on real estate and who's telling them to you. This is kind of fun for me. Another lie about real estate that is if you rent, you're a buyer. You're just buying it from someone else. That's false. It may be true that rent covers mortgage payments in some places like South Dakota, but not in any of the markets that have shot up in the last few years. Rents are much less than mortgages in most places. No landlord buys with the intention to rent out in California because that's not going to be profitable. The owner is generously subsidizing the renter. That's a wonderful thing for renters, especially when there's a crash. Now, if you don't own, you'll live in a dump in a bad neighborhood. Another false statement from the real estate industry. For any given monthly payment, you can rent out a much better house than you can buy. Renters live much better, not worse than homeowners. There are downsides to renting, of course, such as being told to move at the end of your lease or having your rent raised. But since there are thousands of vacant rentals, you can take your pick and be quite happy renting during the crash. There are similar but more severe downsides to owning anyway, such as being fired and losing your home or having your interest rate and property taxes adjust upward. Remember, property taxes are forever. You'll actually never pay off that house. Now, some people want the mobility that renting affords as well. Renters can usually get out of a lease and move anywhere they want within a month with no real estate commission. It's much easier and cheaper to rent a house in a good school district than to buy a house in the same place. Now, a fun trick to rent a good house cheap is go to an open house Take the real estate agent aside and ask if the owner is interested in renting the place out. Oftentimes, desperate sellers will be happy to get a little rental cash coming in and give you a great deal. Biggest upside is hardly ever mentioned. Renters can choose a short commute by living very close to where they work or very close to a train. An extra two hours every day of free time not wasted commuting is the best bonus you can ever get. Now, owners... They can change their homes to suit their tastes. That's another lie of the real estate industry. Even single-family detached houses are, you know, restricted by CC&Rs and homeowners associations. Imagine having to get the approval of a picky neighbor on an architectural review board every time you want to change the color of your trim. 
Yet that's how most houses are sold these days. Now, in California, the Homeowners Association can and will foreclose on your house without a judicial hearing. They can fine you $100 a day for leaving your garage door open, and they can take your house away if you refuse to pay. Can you believe that? Now, another lie the real estate agent tells us is if and when the market goes south, you can walk away. That's false. If you hand the bank the keys, they're likely to hand you a 1099 form showing passive income for the amount of your debt. You then owe tax on that amount. For instance, the 1989 housing crash in L.A., let's say you had a house of $400,000 with a $350,000 mortgage. The house drops in value to $300,000. Then you lose your job. Or you got to move. If you can't make your payments, the bank forecloses on you and nets $250,000 on the sale of your home at auction. The bank's $100,000 loss on the mortgage is forgiveness of debt in the eyes of the IRS and effectively becomes $100,000 of reportable income that you got to pay taxes on. Now, in a lot of states like California, the bank issues a 1099 to you for that amount and they inform the IRS. This is true even for non-recourse loans where the bank can't go after any of your personal assets. They let the IRS punish you instead. So if you refinance or take a home equity loan, that new loan is probably a recourse loan, and the bank can get very aggressive in going after your bank accounts, your stocks, your cars, whatever. It's true that buyers who put zero down have no assets and have nothing invested in the house, and they're much more likely to walk away. The large number of new and essentially bankrupt buyers increases the risk of horrifying crash in prices rather than a soft landing. Another lie. The house down the street sold for 25% over asking, and that proves the market's still hot. That's wrong. Realtors will try to create the false impression of a hot market by deliberately underpricing a house. Say a seller's agent knows that the house will probably go for 400000 He places an ad for 300000 the goal is the first of all to prevent buyers from knowing what a realistic price is, and secondly, to get buyers to blindly bid against each other. There are four players in the game, and three of them are against the buyer. The seller, the seller's agent, and the buyer's agent. Yes, the buyer's own agent works against the buyer, because there's no commission if there's no sale. There's a saying in Vegas, there's a patsy in every game, and if you don't know who the patsy is, you're it. Now, if you want to prove your agent's not on your side, ask to see houses for sale by owner or houses listed by discount brokers. If that agent can't make a commission, you're not going to be told about that house. Now, there's a way around the conflict of interest inherent in a buyer's agent. Let the seller's agent be your agent, too, just for that one house he's trying to sell. Then the seller's agent has a big motive to lower the price because he's going to get double the commission if you buy it rather than some buyer with his own agent. So that's kind of interesting. Now that underpricing scenario, it doesn't always play out, but it is out there. Um, I was, another lie that I want to throw out there, and this is just fun for me. I was lucky that my realtor told me to increase my bid by $50,000. Otherwise, I would have lost because my realtor knew about a secret bid 40000 above mine. That's a big lie. Your agent gets paid nothing if you don't buy the house. And it gets paid more if you waste more money bidding too high. Those are the two big motives to invent false bids. 
Now, another big lie out there is that the MLS proves things are great. That's not true. All sorts of funny things happen in the MLS, the multiple listing service. It's a private database controlled by hmm, real estate agents. For example, if a house just doesn't sell, realtors can remove its record in the MLS so that you can't see that it failed to sell. Then the house comes back on the market at a lower price and unsuspecting buyers think it's on the market for the first time. The realtor can prove it's a new listing by showing the MLS record to the buyer. See, here's the listing date, they'll say. Just came on the market. Better hurry and buy it. This one is hot. There is nobody checking that the MLS shows true transaction prices. The MLS prices are often just wrong. Furthermore, the MLS will not list any house for sale by owner or for sale through a discount broker, except perhaps those listed by help you sell. Now, those cheaper prices are just not in the system because if you save money, they lose money. Now, another great lie out there is that the rich Chinese or Europeans or Arabs, they're driving up home prices. It's a lie. The percentage of U.S. homes bought by rich foreigners is tiny. Furthermore, American housing is clearly a bad investment at this point. Foreigners can just wait and watch both the dollar and the American housing continue to fall, and they buy for much less than a few years. Rich foreign investors are not dumb enough to buy into badly overpriced markets, but your broker is hoping that you are. Another true statement or false statement? There's always someone predicting a real estate crash. You'll hear that, and that's true, but it's irrelevant. There are very real crashes every decade or so. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Now, another lie that the real estate industry is telling you is that, but housing was high when interest rates were 21%, so higher interest rates don't matter. That's crap and it's wrong. Inflation was much higher then, so fixed debt was easier to pay off with increasing salaries. Now we have adjustable mortgages and stagnant salaries. House prices increase exactly mirror the increase in mortgage debt. According to the Washington Times, quote, consumers have doubled their mortgage debt from $3.5 trillion to $7 trillion since 1996, borrowing and spending profusely on the assumption that house prices will continue to go higher. So the increase in house prices is not backed by assets. It's backed by debt. The debt, in turn, is backed by the houses. It's just smoke and mirrors. Now, another lie out there is that local incomes justify the high prices. And most bankers use a multiple of three as a safe price-to-income ratio. We're well beyond that danger zone. In the twilight zone now, the price-to-income ratio is around 10. Another lie that the real estate industry tells you is, look, housing continued to rise after the 2001 stock market crash, so it'll always rise. And that's false. So consider the turnkey, or the, you know, consider the turkey in the farmer's barnyard. He thinks the farmer will always come feed him and not ask for anything. Then Thanksgiving comes, whack. Past performance, not an indication of future results. So housing continues to rise even after the 2001 stock market crash. Be careful. Another thing the real estate industry will tell us is that rent can go up, but a 30-year fixed mortgage payment can't. And that's true, but it's irrelevant. Homeowners lose even with a fixed mortgage because the price of housing falls as interest rates go up. Most owners want to sell within seven years of moving in, and in many cases sell because of job loss, illness, or divorce. And no one could afford what the owner paid for it, so the owner has to take a big loss. Renting it out will not come close to covering the mortgage now. Inflation-adjusted rents have actually fallen in the last few years. 
Another thing the real estate industry will tell you is you got to live somewhere. And yes, that is actually true. You do have to live somewhere. But it doesn't mean that you should waste your life savings on a bad investment. You can live in a better house for much less money by renting during the crash. A renter can save hundreds of thousands of dollars, not only by paying less every month, but by avoiding the devastating loss of a down payment. Another falsehood is newspaper articles prove prices are not falling. And that's false. The numbers in the papers are not complete and have murky origins to begin with. The prices are estimated from the county transfer tax, and making that tax public record is optional. A buyer who does not want you to see how little he paid has only to ask to put the transfer tax on the back of the deed, and it will not show up on the computer searches of the deed, which show only the front. Others will voluntarily pay more tax than they have to in order to inflate the apparent price to fool the next buyer. A tax rate of about $1 per thousands on sale price, as in San Mateo County, you only have to pay $100 extra tax to make your purchase price look $100,000 higher. So even though you can, in theory, go to your county building and get sales price information, in reality, the county will give it to you in a painfully slow and inconvenient way. So um, the data there, just not good. Um, And median prices, that's not fair either. Now, um, another lie the real estate industry will tell you is that my appraisal proves what my house is worth. That's false. An appraisal in its typical residential real estate form is little more than a comparative analysis conducted by someone with no skin in the game offering confirmation that other lemmings are paying way too much for their house for. So let me read that to you again because I think that's a, a great quote. An appraisal in its typical residential real estate form It's a little more than a comparative analysis conducted by someone with no skin in the game. It ultimately offers confirmation that other lemmings are paying too much for their houses as well. Now, amazingly, government house prices, they measure, it doesn't include houses with mortgages greater than 417,000. So this excludes well over half of all the houses in California. So the government can report a slight price rise, but fail to mention that prices actually fell for other 60% of houses in California. So that measure is on regular conforming loans when they say house prices are higher or lower. Another fall in 60% of all mortgages in California are jumbos. Now, another lie is that it's not a house, it's a home. It's a house. Wherever one lives is home, be it an apartment, condo, or house. Call it a house a home is manipulation of your emotions for profit. I once heard a realtor say, quote, a house is a wooden box that sits out in the rain and slowly rots. No one would buy in this market if they really thought about how much pain it's going to cause them in the long run. That's why we have to sell them as a home and not as a house. It's true, right? Um, A house is a wooden box that will ultimately fall apart. Another lie is that if you don't buy now, you'll never get another chance. That argument was so popular in 1989 in Los Angeles just before a huge crash. It's silly. If no one like you ever gets another chance to buy a house, then you will not be able to sell your house in a few years because there will be no more buyers like you ever again. Here's a great quote. Wall Street reporter. She said, quote, The real issue isn't whether you'll be stuck being a renter all your life. It's whether you'll get so scared about being shut out that you'll buy at the market's peak and be stuck in a property you can't afford or sell. 
I love that. So a Wall Street Reporter said, the real issue isn't whether you're going to be stuck being a renter your whole life. It's whether you're going to be so scared about being shut out that you'll buy at the market's peak and be stuck in a property you can't afford or sell. Another lie that the real estate industry tells us, property in the Bay Area is a luxury good. It'll be less affected by economic downturns. That's not true, because 82% of Bay Area mortgages are ARMS. ARM loans are adjustable rate mortgages. They're not taken out by rich people. People on the border of bankruptcy take out ARMS because they can't afford fixed rate loans. The rich don't have loans at all. Many of these ARM loans have exceptionally deadly repayment terms. They're known as neutron mortgages. Like the neutron bomb, they destroy people but leave buildings standing. They're also known as suicide loans. Another lie that the real estate industry tells us is that housing will be permanently higher since down payments are, are now obsolete. That's false. The current wave of defaults is making down payments suddenly seem like a good idea again. Lending standards are already improving. Another lie the real estate industry tells us is that home ownership is at a record high, proving things are affordable. That's not true. The percentage of their house that most Americans actually own is at a record low, not at a high. We do have a record of number of people who have title to a house because they have dangerous levels of mortgage debt, but that's no cause to celebrate. We don't own more home than we did 10 years ago. We own less. Another lie the real estate tell, industry tells us that houses are worth whatever fools are willing to pay for them. You know, at interest rates of 6%, houses are worth it. At most, 17 times what you can rent them out for in one year. You can get 6% with no work at all in the bond market. So why accept less than 6% return on your capital in a very risky housing market? You know, let me explain this. You know, this is a little bit tougher, trying to teach you how to value a home. But when you take taxes and maintenance into costs, you know, here's a, a check of what your house is worth. Take what you could rent it for per year. Divide that by 0.06. So if your house would have rent for $12,000 per year, it's worth about $200,000. If you think it would be 200, if you think you can get $2,000 a month, uh, maybe $24,000 a year, that's $400,000. So if yearly rents are less than 6% of the price of the home, watch out because house prices right now, they're likely to fall. Now, another lie the real estate industry tells us is that rents could shoot up, making it a better deal to buy. Rents are limited by the money people actually earn, not by how much they can borrow. Try walking into a bank and asking for a million dollar loan to pay rent with. Not going to happen. Now, another real estate lie is that it would take another 9-11 terrorist attack or major earthquake that wipes out this area in order for prices to fall 50%. And that's not true. Even with a 50% decline in prices to, say, $350,000 in the Bay Area, the median price in the Bay Area would still stand roughly double the median price in most of America. And the median Bay Area household, it's about $70,000. It's still not going to be sufficient to buy a house. So a 50% decline is it's just justified by the fundamentals right now. You can easily verify for yourself that rents are less than half of long-term house ownership costs. Just look at the papers at the sale prices, multiply by six. Divide by 12 to get some approximate monthly interest payment plus property taxes and repairs. Costs are actually about 8% with all that. 
but the income deduction brings it down to about 6%, then look at rental rates for equivalent homes. Which loss per month is larger? A lot of people think housing is a hedge against inflation, so you should buy now anyway, and that's wrong. Interest rates go up with inflation, and higher interest will be the last straw for our mortgages in the Bay Area. Now, their defaults and foreclosures, they're going to drive down the cost of housing for everyone else around here. Remember that 82% of the recent Bay Area mortgages are adjustable. There's little chance that salaries of ARM owners can keep up with inflation because 2 billion people in India and China, they'd be happy to do their jobs for a lot less money. So you got to be very, very cautious on it being, quote unquote, a hedge against inflation. Now, another lie out there is that inflation is going to wipe out most of the mortgage for free. Inflation is going to wipe out most of my mortgage for free. And that's not true either because banks, they rapidly would go out of business if they did not account for inflation. Since banks have been in business for a long, 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 long time, you can pretty much assure that your mortgage interest checks pay for inflation as well as a good profit for the bank. So that profit to the bank is a real loss to you. Inflation does have the effect of making people think that they have housing value gain when they really don't. If your house price rises only at the rate of inflation, you're not actually gaining anything at all. Any nominal gain below the rate of inflation is a nominal gain, but a real adjusted for inflation loss. People don't understand you know, how to compare. A couple more lies for you, because I like doing these. House prices always increase in value in the long run, and that's not true. House values are actually a constant, and adjusted for inflation prices in like the Netherlands, for instance, rose less than one quarter of a percent annually in the last 350 years. Warren Buffett and Charles Schwab have both pointed out that houses don't increase in intrinsic value. Unless there's a bubble, house prices simply reflect current salaries and interest rates. Consider a 100-year-old house. Its value in sheltering you is exactly the same as it was 100 years ago. It did not increase in value at all. It did not spontaneously get bigger, nor did it renovate itself. Quite the opposite. The house drained cash from its owners for 100 years of maintenance, taxes, insurance, costs that never go away. Its price went up about as much as salaries went up. Now, you know, people will always say, you know, when I was a, a boy, a gallon of milk cost a dime. Look at how much they're overcharging for milk now. And, you know, how much, you know, did people make back then when, you know, milk was a dollar or milk was a dime? People didn't make any money back then. 15 bucks a week. So it sounds pretty much like people reasoning now when they say, my father's home appreciated in the long run. But salaries went up a lot in the long run. A lot of people, another falsehood, another falsehood, is that maybe we should just accept that we missed out on a great opportunity to get in real estate in the past five years or something like that. And that's just false. Did we all miss out on a great opportunity to get in the stock of Pets.com or other internet companies with no business model? The real question is what's going to happen in the next few years, not what just happened. I think real estate in a lot of areas are going to crash. The last guy to buy into the bubble, they're going to get hurt the most. Another lie that's out there is you're saying no one should buy a home? And that's not true. While a house is almost always a poor investment, it is a safe time to buy a house for enjoyment when you get a 30-year mortgage plus tax, insurance, and maintenance that's less than 30% of your gross pay. That's what the number is. Or the loss from interest, tax, insurance, and maintenance is less than rent on an equivalent place. 
and you plan to stay in it for 10 years or more. Those are the people who should be buying homes. Yeah, 30 year mortgage plus tax insurance, maintenance cost, 30, 33% of your gross pay. But you also have to make sure that you're going to stay in it for f- more than five years. You need to stay in real estate 10 years um, because you lose interest. You lose on tax. You lose on insurance. You lose on maintenance. Another falsehood is that you failed to factor in emotion. More houses are sold on emotion than will be sold on perceived value. They buy all that they can afford plus. And that's not true because buyer emotion doesn't matter at all to lenders not on the way up or on the way down. Most people will borrow more than they can afford, but only if the lender goes along. The whole thing was a party of, of cheap and easy credit. When the credit machine gets sober again, millions of people are going to be ruined. Foreclosure rates are going up exponentially, 400% year over year. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people say that your wife will divorce you if you, you don't buy a house. And she's actually going to divorce you if you do buy a house and go bankrupt trying to pay the mortgage. She won't divorce you if you rent a much nicer place and take her to Paris you know, in spring. You can do that by avoiding mortgage suicide. If she's religious, just point to Proverbs 22.7, they say. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. That's a great phrase. A lot of people say, I just want to own my own home. And that's true. Most people do, and that's fine. Buyers will get their chance when housing costs half as much, maybe 30% as much. Home ownership is great unless you ruin your life paying for it. If you can save even just 10% on the price of a house, you can retire several years earlier than you would otherwise. If you can save 40% or 30%, you can easily take a 10-year vacation and still come out ahead. A lot of people have forgotten that the number one restriction on their future freedom to do what they want to do, to go where they want to go, it's their mortgage lender. You know, it's, it's the mortgage lender that ties people down. And it's not the Iraqis. It's not the Iranians. It's not the North Koreans. It's, it's how leveraged you get into your real estate. I need to take a break. But you're listening to Rob Black and your money. I'm telling you the truth about real estate. I'm telling you about all the lies the real estate industry tells us. Um, and there is a ton of them. Um, and hopefully you got a lot out of this. I'll talk more real estate. I'll talk more stocks, investing. I'll tell you whatever you need to know, whenever you need to know it. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.